Swinging a fly ball, left field. It's deep. Going back is Duncan at the fence. Oh, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Stafford takes the snap. Sets in the pocket. Rolls left. This is going to be it. Gerback to fire for it. He went for it all. Rises, goes for three. It's through. Got turned to Malkin over the Detroit line, pushes it forward, back in, but oh, I'm gonna say! Welcome back, another episode of the Detroit Sports Show. I'm your host, Chris Burke. You can get me on Twitter at ChrisBurke underscore SI. Joined in a moment here by Andrew Tomlinson at Drew underscore Tomlinson. Uh, you can find our show, of course, on uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes and on Facebook at uh, the Detroit Sports Show there. So make sure you check out all those spots, and we'll uh, keep you updated when a new show drops. Should be uh, pretty much every week around this time, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, as we get into a little busier time of year. Tigers now suddenly in a playoff chase uh, again. Lions in the training camp. Preseason starts next week, and then the Red Wings get into camp in uh, September, as Michigan, Michigan State get going, Pistons not far behind that. So, really starting to pick up here and uh, welcome in Andrew on that note because we are going to be pretty Tigers heavy here. And as we're recording, hopefully we're not jinxing them while we do so. They won seven straight. They're three back in the uh, AL Central, right on the I think a half game back in the wild card, and uh, all of a sudden looking like a playoff team. So um, we're going to talk about that, talk about what they did at the trade deadline. I welcome in Andrew. And uh, how, has your opinion of this team changed in the last seven days? Man, I'm sitting here in my Team USA shorts celebrating a U.S. women's national team victory. And, you know, I have to say I thought two weeks ago I was going to think that the uh, the women's team winning gold was more likely than the Tigers making the playoffs. But after the last week, I mean, it's all coming up Tigers. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really been, I, I mean, I, I think they maybe are catching some teams at the right time. They they dodged a couple, I, I guess, I think they dodged Price and Porcello when they went into Boston, but um, still. Ace right-handed <laughs> pitcher, Rick Porcello. Tigers fans know how tough it is to win in Boston, so they go get three there when you, they were coming off those back-to-back losses on Sunday in Chicago, uh, the, the uh, suspended game and then the, the full game a huge turning point in the season it looks like and as i said you know sort of they're thanks to <laughs> unlikely help from the minnesota twins closing the gap uh, on the uh closing the gap on the cleveland indians and of course there goes there's the jinx <laughs> jinxed them right into a tie game uh but uh michael former serving one up to justin Morneau. but yeah the right you know right back in this thing uh and sort of interesting, we Al Avila said, GM said all along, Tigers are probably going to stand pat at the trade deadline. Jordan Zimmerman coming back uh, this week. Daniel Norris is back in Toledo. J.D. Martinez is back on the bench as of today, which is Wednesday. Uh, so those were the trade deadline acquisitions. Are you surprised that was it? Did you think there would be something else, or did you take Avila at his word? You know, I think everyone talked de- on deadline day. They thought that they were going to try to get you know, uh, back-end pitcher, somebody like Santiago or a Jeremy Hellickson. You know, 
I didn't quite get it. This team isn't exactly flush with prospects. The team does seem to, I would say, overvalue Matt Boyd, which I don't, I don't entirely understand. But when you really look at where this team is, you know, they're looking at getting Zimmerman back. They're looking at J.D. Martinez back. They sent Norris down to AAA, which I, I sort of I don't totally understand. But, you know, those really are their trade deadline moves. I think Detroit has gotten tired of hearing it from Ken Holland year after year whenever X player comes back from injury and he says, well, that's our deadline acquisition. But when you look at the Tigers, I mean, Zimmerman's been out for basically over a month and one could argue ineffective since probably May. And J.D. Martinez, I, I don't really remember the last time he did play, at least a month and a half. So, I mean, those really are deadline acquisitions. And especially since this team has played itself back into contention. Upton's hitting better. Martinez has turned it around. Miggy looks like the MVP again. This pitching staff has been better. I mean, who would have thought Anibal Sanchez would have come out on Tuesday night and fired a really good complete, not complete game, a uh, quality start, rather, against the White Sox. I mean, I didn't even watch the game because his starts haven't been good. So, you know, I, I really am not surprised that they said Pat. I think I would have been unhappy if they'd made a deal. I mean, these prices were insane. I mean, were you looking for a deal? I I was surprised they didn't do something, yes. For, um, you wanted an A-bag? Yeah, I mean, well, that, I I thought that they would get a. I thought they would go somewhere in the pitching staff. My hope was that they were going to pick up another bench bat because yeah. I think those are. We've talked about this before. That's pretty easy to come by. I mean, nah, you still got to give something up, but for the most part, if you're looking for a guy who's just, you know, a platoon player, maybe not even that, just someone who can come off the bench with a little pop, you know, those guys aren't that tough to come by uh, at the trade deadline. I think they are there to be had if you really look for them. Martinez coming back sort of, uh, depending on what they do now with the bullpen and the number of guys that they have, um, you know, I, I think it uh, maybe Tyler Collins is going to be that guy for them. Maybe that's what they're planning. Salta Lamaki has been uh, giving them some nice at bats as a pinch hitter. So, um, but that I was surprised that I was hoping they get a bench bat. I was surprised they didn't get something, either a pitcher, you know, either one of those back end starters. And frankly, I don't know that any uh, Hellickson would have been my preference of those guys, but none of them have been. I don't know that any of them are an upgrade on what the Tigers have when everyone's in the rotation. Uh, and I thought they maybe would get one more bullpen arm just because we get into September. I'm not sure, you know, Alex Wilson can't pitch with with inherited runners. Bruce Rondon's hit or miss. You know, Mark Lowe is their mop-up guy, basically. I thought maybe they'd pick up one more guy just to feel a little more secure about that bullpen we saw the prices, though, on bullpen arms, too. So I think that they, you know, I think it was probably smart long-term play to stand pat, but, you know, uh, a little disappointing because, as we just said, they're very much in this thing. I mean, I think, does this give you somewhat renewed hope? I mean, I think, I really do think that the Red Sox try to trade just about every one of their prospects for Chris Sale, and I think that's a, that's a complicated deal. I think that's a deal that's got to be done. In the offseason. I know that's a cliche people say, but that's a complicated deal, the Chris Sale deal. But do, are you not encouraged? Because I am that the team is looking to stay the course. I, I am excited that they, they really do seem like they were serious when they said they want to create the book of how to play Detroit Tigers baseball 
when they've talked about stocking the farm system. And I'm thrilled. I mean, let's face it, this is a good, not great team that could make it to the playoffs and maybe make some noise, but they're not contenders. I mean, not after what the, the Rangers did. So, I mean, I, I personally, for me, it makes me almost more excited for the Alavila regime because I think it's realistically looking at where they are and also understanding that you can't just keep trading away everybody. Because if I think if they if they traded, you know, Norris and Moya or Boyd and Jacoby Jones and Norris and you know uh, Manning and all these people, I w- and they didn't make it or they didn't win the World Series. I think it would have been a a big missed opportunity for this organization to get better long term. Yeah, I mean, I guess the problem for me is that, you know, to say that they're not contenders sort of ignores what's happened the last week, where they are in the standings, and what can happen when you get in the playoffs. So, you know, if they make it and then they lose because they don't have that bench batter, because they are a bullpen arm short, then that becomes a little tough to swallow. And there's not a huge window right now with, you know, Verlander's obviously come back strong in a huge way for them, but... Again, those main guys, Verlander, Martinez, Cabrera, you know, you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room with them in terms of how many chances you're going to have at this. And they've seen how fleeting the moments of success can be, you know, how close, how razor thin that margin is between winning a World Series and being out in round one or not making the playoffs. So I I get it and I understand and I know that the, you know, they've got to, probably some moves coming in the next couple of off seasons just to clear some salary off the books and things like that. But uh, I, I think it is a little disappointing because I, I thought that the way that they played leading up to the deadline would sort of spark them to say, all right, well, let's just go try to tweak this roster a couple of spots. And again, that's, we've talked about that too. You know, it's not a good bench. It's not a particularly deep bullpen. I think seven, eight, nine, they feel pretty good about with Wilson, Justin Wilson, uh, Green and and K Rod, but again beyond that, it's it, there's no real sure things. And and the you know they're playing Mike Avilas is starting again today. Andrew Romine's their main guy off the bench, and I, I would have liked to see those little tweaks. And it's more you know as much as those big moves sort of get everyone excited on deadline day. A lot of times, not always, because you know the the Royals went out and got Johnny Cueto and then won the World World Series. But a lot of times. Those little tweaks are huge in August, September, and they didn't really do anything. So you're saying this team has to be good enough as is. Maybe it is. I guess I just, I think about all the times that the Tigers have tried to make little tweaks, and it is just totally blown up in their face. The Jared Washburns, the Aubrey Huffs, the um, Mark Krauses, the, they just, the, the one guy that they got, from the Rangers. I don't even remember what his name is. There's just been so many times that they've tweaked and it's just failed. And I just, you know, Collins is hitting better. And I feel like I'm being, I'm thumping the Homer train here, but I mean, Collins is hitting better and Moya is producing in AAA. And, you know, maybe the ghost of Anthony Ghost will come back at some point in time. And when you look at the bullpen and you think, <laughs> Anthony Ghost is not going I hate, back. Hey, he, he had a two run single tonight in AA. He is not going back this year. I don't think so either. But, you realistically look at the bullpen, and I agree, the bullpen is very weak. It's very thin. There are guys in there I keep forgetting are on the roster. Um, 
Is it Mulkeen who pitched the other day? I had no idea. Yeah, Dustin Mulkeen. Yeah, and he's probably the first guy to go. No idea. I, was, I think Buck Farmer's still with the team. I don't think he was sent down. But you, uh, I honestly, actually, that's a good. I don't. I have no idea. Is Buck Farmer I, still on the roster? I think he is on the roster. Regardless, you put in Sanchez. When you look at the going to the playoffs, right? Let's face it. The rotation's going to be Verlander, Zimmerman. And then Fulmer. Fulmer. And then you're looking yeah. at either Boyd or Norris. So you're adding Pelfrey's probably not making the playoff roster. And then you're looking at Sanchez in the pen. That's not a bad pen. You got to think right. Joe Jimenez is coming up. You got to, I, it's not a bad. See, so you, that's, you hit on the thing that I think has to happen now. And I don't, I'm not, I'm going to pretend you're not even talking about who's making the playoff roster because it's August 3rd and they're still out of the playoff picture. But I think you hit on the key that not just they need to get, they obviously need getting Zimmerman back would help. I mean, there's no question. And getting J.D. Martinez would prevent having to start Mike Avilas against Chris Sale. And, you know, I'm a little, I I mean, I guess they're still easing him in. I'm a little surprised Martinez didn't start. His first game back. Well, they but, said he played a doubleheader than a night game, so I think, okay. I think so, that's why. But, you know, that makes your bench better. That makes your roster better by having Martinez back. That makes your rotation more stable by having Zimmerman back. You mentioned Jim, Joe Jimenez. Jimenez? Joe, how were you I thought it was Jimenez, it? Joe, but... Jimenez? Okay. Joe Jimenez. Uh, and I think that's really the key. I think they're, we're going to see him at some point this year, even if it's just in September when they make those, you know, make those call-ups in September, you see Jimenez try to help out the bullpen down the stretch, probably get Moya back up here at some point. Uh, we've talked about Alex Presley. I think if you're talking about speedy outfielders, he's probably the guy that's coming up at this point. He's got a major league experience. He can just go steal. He can be the new I mean, Q. He's, been, he's essentially, right. He's essentially Quentin Berry at this point. Um, so I think that that's really the key. They're totally in house, but they, I don't think they could just sit on this 25-man roster and say, all right, we're done now that Zimmerman's back and Martinez is back. I think they still have to figure out what's going on with the rotation, where Norris fits in, and uh, who else is coming up. Who else can come up and help? Because I think you can still tweak, and there's still the uh, off chance that they make a deal in August with one of these waiver deals, but I'm assuming it's not going to happen. You bring that up, and I think, in all honesty, and people are going to hate this, and I know I've been on his train for a while, but I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, if there was one guy that I think the Tigers 100% could target as potential... Ichiro? Uh, no, Ichiro is not. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to get another hit because <laughs> I keep getting a pushed iPhone alert every day telling me he's two away from 3,000. Uh, Yasiel Puig, he cleared waves. Uh, he's going down. He's a power bat off the bench. You put him into a locker room with some chemistry, some leadership. There's other Cuban players on the team. You can get him for cheap. The Tigers are willing to take on payroll. I think he could be the bat that you're looking for, your bench slugger that could come in, play the outfield position, steal some bases. I think that's rocking the boat too much at this point in the season. I mean, mean, what was the difference between adding Delman Young and adding Yasiel Puig, other than the money? I don't – I mean, I don't think Delman Young was at the point. Maybe I'm just not remembering it correct. I mean (laughs) – I, that's the type of guy that they need. I'm not Puig, but someone like Delman Young. That's the type of move I thought, and, and that's maybe shooting too high. Delman Young, the demon, was was a pretty good major league hitter for his entire career. But you know that type of move where it's just one 
bat, one guy that sort of helps you. You know, I don't know that Puig's the guy, but you. I want to circle back to something because you mentioned Ken Holland, and this has been. It's sort of interesting, and I, you know, you, it, it's the type of thing that makes you wonder. Blue Jays on the How board. much? Who's on the board? Blue Jays. Okay. Uh, is that important? I mean, they're they they're trailing the Blue Jays in the wild. Oh right. They're playing right. Houston. So. <laughs> All right. I'm watching. I got the the Twins are rolling again though. Um, it makes you wonder how much, to, at least it makes me wonder how much Mike Illich has his hand in this because the Tigers GM approach and the Red Wings GM approach has been pretty similar, pretty lockstep for a lot of, you know, maybe not the nineties, but once the Tigers got going, we're seeing a lot of very similar patterns. Oh, I disagree, but I'll let you finish. You don't. You don't think? I'll let you finish. I mean, I think the Tigers still the Tigers have spent more and gone for the bigger swing so in the off season. I guess I'm more thinking trade deadline and more thinking in season these types of tweaks, these moments cuz you brought up how there's the frustration that Ken Holland has let trade deadlines go including this past year and said we're we're going to stick with what we got. We don't want to give up any prospects. This is what we have and then the wings go out, you know, what they went out in 5 games to Tampa Bay and but now you come back with everyone this year other than you know, Datsuk and and Richards. Uh so I guess I'm just curious if this is different for you. If this trade deadline with Alavila, it, it sounds like it is because you sound very positive about the Alavila, you know, being just sort of staying the course, not giving up anyone. It sounds like it's different for you than when Ken Holland did that a few months ago with the Red Wings. I think two things. One, I think if Dathan Prowski had prospects the caliber that were Peter Mrazek and Alexei Marchenko and Xavier Ouellette and Nyquist and Tatar and Mantha and Larkin, they would have never seen the NHL for the Red Wings. Or, I guess in this scenario, would have never seen the MLB for the Tigers, right? I mean, outside of Nick Castellanos, I mean, I was having this conversation with somebody else at my job who's a Red Sox fan. Outside of Castellanos and Verlander, I can't think of a major prospect that has made it to the majors for the Tigers. So I think that's where I disagree, whereas... McCannon. Yes, James McCannon. But uh, James McCann, the McCannon. But other than that, I think I think that's where they differ, right? Ken Holland was quick to say our prospects are too valuable. Let's keep them in the minors. Let's overseason them. And Dave Dombrowski treated them like poker chips, and he had infinite ability to buy back onto the table. And he really did. I mean, he did that for almost a decade. So I think that's where, where they differ. And I think the difference is, is that the NHL is a league that is able to be impacted by one or two acquisitions in a season or at a deadline, whereas the MLB, I mean, you could add a starter and that might make it better, but you're still not going to fix the fact that you have either Matt Boyd, Mike Pelfrey, or Anibal Sanchez starting a game every five days, or that you still have Mark Lowe in your bullpen, or that you have Avilas as your bench player. So I think for me, what I like about the Avila era is it preaches patience and they haven't re-signed Brad Osmus to a contract extension, and they haven't guaranteed anything past this year. And I think that's what's refreshing to me. If this was Ken Holland, I mean, they would have extended Osmus for the next decade if they could have, I feel like, at this point. So 
I feel like Avila is taking a much different approach of saying, I want to, I want to make my stamp in this organization, but let's, let's not be hasty about it. And I think that's what's refreshing to me. I don't know if you feel the same way as I do, but I, I really do believe that the Red Sox offered everybody, including Jan Moncada, for Chris Sale. I, I really do believe that. And I just think it's too complicated of a deal to complete. And so I'll be very interested to see whether or not Dave Dombrowski completely destroys what is the Boston Red Sox prospect framework in the next year to two years. Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, would you rather be the Indians I, who traded away basically their entire farm system for Andrew Miller? And, I mean, I guess I guess the, the trick here and why it's difficult and why, you know, I... I in some ways agree with what you're saying is that it's hard to sit here right now when it's early August, they're chasing down first place, they're one win out of the wild card and think about what the roster is going to need in 2019. But clearly this team, it needs to, they needed to do a better job sort of building up. It's still a very depleted farm system. There aren't a ton of guys. I mean, there's a couple bats here and there. There aren't. It's not like they're going to turn over this roster to all young guys in the next three or four years. They're still going to have to. I mean, they'll still have Cabrera and Martinez and those guys for a while. But you know, they're still going to have to supplement any young guys that come up with some veterans that they pay for. So I, I think that you know, it's tough to see that light at the end of the tunnel when you're doing that. And again, it's. There's just so few opportunities when that you have a chance to compete. And I guess the plan now is you think ahead to next year and you think, well, all right, we have the rotation in place. We have a bullpen we like. You know, we can bring up some of these, a couple, you know, one, two, three, four or more of these young guys to kind of balance out the roster and get the payroll in order. And, and then we're competitive without blowing it up. And so I, I hope that works because it is – Again, it's just hard to give up the opportunities when they're there. So I I do hope that they're right that this team has enough to sort of finish this run that they're on and not just have this be a little blip on the radar, but have this go into late September where they're right there and they're fighting for a playoff spot. And so I think that's the difference. I think that's the difference that you and I are thinking of is where we're looking at the trade deadline solely based on prospects and trading to get better, which is how the Tigers have operated for many years. But I still think they're going to spend, and they keep having money. I mean, they're at one of their lowest payrolls this year than they've been in a long time. And if you look at some of the available free agents coming into the offseason, you have guys like uh, Wilson Ramos, Edward Encarnacion. You know, as much as people may talk about his age, you have Mike Napoli. You have third basemen that are solid if you wanted to look at experimenting with Castellanos in other different places. You have a guy like Alcides Escobar at shortstop. You have a lot of outfield players. You have pitchers. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are available coming into the offseason that, you know, really could impact or help this team. I mean, you said you like Jeremy Hellickson. I mean, he's a free agent. Andrew Kashner's a free agent. I mean, they could still spend and get better while also still getting younger in the organization as a whole. Well, I think that this snowballs, though, and I think this is that'll be the next test for Avila. Is he moving someone big? Is he moving a big name this offseason? Because otherwise, again, I think you're going to see them follow a similar pattern to what the Red Wings just did. Because I think that the roster you're looking at right now is going to be, I mean, there's probably 19 or 20 of these guys are on the roster again next year. 
Maybe, you, I mean, you slide out probably Avilas, maybe Salta Lamakia doesn't come back. Maybe, uh, maybe they, you know, Romine's not there. Not Romine. Low, you flip over a couple pitchers, but the starting rotation's there. But the starting, starting rotation next year, in theory, should encompass Fulmer, Boyd, and Norris. Right, and Zimmerman and Verlander. And that, that's a pretty young rotation. So there's your five. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I think that. I think standing pat at the trade deadline right now is just a sign that they're also that this is it. This is what they're going to go with. That they have decided that they need to go. That they've spent enough time chasing things outside, and they just—I know—they just signed Zimmerman and upped in this past offseason. So you're right. If the if the chance to spend on the right guy is there, I think they still will do it. But I think that their goal now is to not do it. I think they would prefer to just go with you know. Have this be the core for the next however many years. Not just the core of four or five guys, but a core of 17, 18 guys that are on this roster again next year. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I will have to say, if there was one deal I thought they might try to make, it would be to move up. And I don't think people are going to love that thought. And I, I do wonder if the Tigers really seriously contemplated it, because with a two-year opt-out, it would be easy to sell him to a team and say, hey, he's going to be a part of your stretch run. He'll have a good postseason. He comes back and have a good next year. He'll opt out because he'll try to get a new contract. But if if I had to look at any player, and I, everyone is going to hate this, and if we got reader email, we would get email about this, I would peg Ian Kinsler as the guy that they would try to move next year. I don't think he's ever going to be as good as he is this year, and he's a great player, and I love him, and he's one of the, my favorite players to watch on this team, but he's the one that will have the most return for you. And it, I think it's Kinsler or I think Martinez. JD Martinez. Yep, agreed, hundred percent. I don't think I don't think there's any question that if there's a move this offseason, JD Martinez is going to be one of the first names tossed out Definitely. because he's on. It was a two-year deal he signed, so he'll have one year left. I mean, he's very movable. And so is Kinsler. There's no better second baseman at the cost ultimately at this point in time. Right. No, I, and I agree, and I think that that's the thing. I I think there could be a move like that. I think maybe we see one of those big, and those were the moves, really, for as much as the Tigers did in free agency, it was those big swings in the trading, uh, in trades that that Dave Dombrowski made that often turned out to be strokes of genius. Those were really his gems, and I, and I know you're saying he he might try to he might blow up the Red Sox and that's part of the problem why the Tigers don't have a farm system because of the way he operated but i mean the Cabrera trade he traded they have Kinsler because they got he got rid of Prince Fielder for him which in hindsight is one of the you know steals of all time trade wise uh i mean he was not always great, but a lot of times very good at those huge swings. And so we'll see because I, I just don't know that there's another big move coming in free agency this offseason. Uh, and, and, and don't get me wrong. Uh, I mean, Dave Dombrowski was a great GM and he made great moves. But all of the moves, moves that you've talked about, including the Granderson deal, all happened at the winter meetings. They all happened at the winter meetings. The Kinsler for Prince Fielder swap, the Granderson for Scherzer and Austin Jackson swap, the Miggy swap, they were all winter meeting moves. And so I feel like that's where El Avila is going to be able to make his mark. If, they're, if he's really seriously going to try to reshape this roster and continue to be competitive, it will be at the winter meeting. This is just not a team equipped. Because even the Sanchez deal, right? It was a trade 
at the deadline, and then they had to re-sign him. I, I believe Sanchez went to free agency and deep into it, and then they re-signed him. So the big long-term changes all happen in the winter meetings. Yeah, I, and that's I guess that's what I'm I, – I, if, if something happens, I think that's where it happens again. Agreed. You know, and I, again, I don't want to – I said I didn't want to talk about the playoff roster. I certainly don't want to talk about the winter meetings too much, uh, given where the Tigers are. And again, I still think they could be a tweak or two coming in August. I'm not really sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah man. Well, I think that one has to happen at some point, to be honest. I think when the rosters expand, you may as well. Um, but I am still interested to see what the rotation exactly is going to be. I mean, Zimmerman is going to be in it if he's healthy whether he pitches like he did in April or pitches like he did in May. Uh, and you ho- if he pitches like he did in April, Watch this out. team probably makes the playoffs, to be honest. Um, so you have Zimmerman, Verlander, Fulmer. It sounds like they're not going to shut down Fulmer. Maybe watch the innings a little bit, but not shut him down. I still don't really know what happens beyond that. I mean, Boyd's Hell been free. okay. free is not good. He's had one, two... Three, four games in July with only giving up one or fewer runs. I mean, there's two or uh, five or more, but man, we just had. I don't want. I think you're behind. I am a behind. little bit. I'm still in a commercial. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, we'll transition out of Tigers. We're going to transition out of Tigers talk. I'm glad that right my is the last word of uh, Tigers. Yeah, because one of the moments of the season just happened <laughs> while we were talking. Uh, and I'll wait for Andrew to, to get there, I guess. Um, I mean, I'm assuming it's requiring Jose Iglesias because he's currently warming up in the batter's circle. Well, no, it's not. It's the guy who's in the in the batter's box for those of us who are okay. who, well just left the batter's. JD Martinez just came off the you know just made his return. Well, I mean, he's he's up now. Standing ovation. Well, you can wait for the first pitch. Uh, oh. Oh boy! Because it's not staying in the park. Wow. Did it hit the car? Uh, Did it hit the car. Standing ovation oh, for. Oh man! And he bombs one to the center field. Jeez, that's deep. So that's uh, off Chris Sale, no less. That's that's Brad a pretty Austin's special coach. moment. Those are the, I mean, he managing the White Sox. I mean, wow. See, and those are the type of moments that man. Why would you want to improve this team? Why would you want to? Try that's to what I mean. Players? You start talking about teams that look like they're headed towards the playoffs. I can't. I know we kind of buried them a few weeks ago, but that was. <laughs> few weeks ago we yeah. buried him for the last month that was uh that was a pretty special moment all right so like i said that was gonna be the last thing we do for the tigers we kind of got distracted there by what was happening do the ti- put you on the spot do the tigers make the play yes yeah. i think they make i i'll stop put it i'll put it down full, you're totally come full circle now. there are 10 games left against the indians i think the tigers win the division and the last series doesn't matter I think the series against the the Atlanta Braves. So you don't think matter. they're going from one and ten against Cleveland to win the last, or what? Is that what they are? One and eleven against Cleveland to win their last seven with them? Sure. I don't think the last series against the Braves matter. You think they're going to run away from the Indians in the next month and a half? I mean, what if from? I mean, it's not even just the way the Tigers are playing. What have the Indians shown in the last month? that has anybody thinking that they look like a playoff team. If you look at well, that's, the, you that's look at as surprising the, as anything that's happened with Detroit, to be honest. I mean, if you look at the way the Indians have played the last three years, right, they've been just awful in the first half and then have turned it on in the second half to make it close, but not really close because they never really got within striking distance, right? 
well, this could be the year that they start off hot and then just bottom out in June. I, I mean, if you really go back to where it was, June was where they started to fade. And I really, I don't know if the Indians are going to be able to recover. Their pitching was unsustainable. Their offense is unsustainable. Their See, I don't think their pitching was. I don't think their pitching is unsustainable. I think their pitching's good. I just don't know. I mean, Alex maybe Salazar some, DL. Well, that's true. Well, uh, well, I mean, at least the Tigers not Tigers now have their bench back. Well, in JD Martinez, you can't go off the. You, you can't make me go on the spot. I mean, what do you think? Do they make the playoffs? And is it? A I think they get a wild card spot. Do they win the wild card? I think. Do they win the wild card game? On the spot, yeah. Uh, sure. Yes. <laughs> I, because I, 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 I don't know. I think the AL East. There's three teams there, and I think they're gonna continue to. I think they're going to beat up on each other a little bit. I don't know that. I, I still think Baltimore is gonna fade. I do. To too. be honest, I think it's gonna be Houston. They play in the in the one game playoff. And for the reason that you know you just mentioned with the Indians, the pitching being unsustainable, the Orioles' pitching is not very good. There the offense is, is not great offense, but well, that's tough. When the games get tight in September, it's tough to score runs the way that they've been scoring runs. Uh, so oh, good. Martinez came back, and now Cam maybe just got hurt. So oh, good. Uh, I'm still not even there. I'm not that far behind. No, he's still in. Uh, he, he did something. Um, I think they get the wild card. I think they bounce. I'm going to say Baltimore doesn't make it. I think the Red Sox win that division. I think they end up playing the Blue Jays in the wild card game. At home or away? Uh, <laughs> this is a very specific request for these <laughs> answers. Uh, at home. Okay. Verlander against... Well, it'd be a, it would be Estrada, wouldn't it? Estrada. Uh all right, so yeah, I'll go on and the Devin Travis yeah. Derby. Yeah, I, I backpedaled totally from saying this was an eighty-two and eighty team, but and they're ten. Games. I do feel for. I did say the Roy. In my defense, I said the Royals at the start of the year were 72, 72 and ninety team, and that's looking very likely at this point. So maybe I balance out my terrible predictions. Uh, I, as promised five minutes ago, we were going to transition off the Tigers. I wanted to do so because the Lions are headed into their. Uh, they have uh, their preseason opener coming up, practices with the Steelers coming up, and uh, they have a scrimmage, I believe, this weekend at Ford Field, just a sort of a makeshift game amongst the, their own roster. Um, so kind of winding down the opening parts of training camp here. And specifically, I want to talk about, there were reports a couple days ago, you know, that always the offensive line versus defensive line drills and uh, when they put the pads on, the rare times that they are able to put the pads on ex- extensively, you know, it's, there's limits to how often, uh, how long the practices can be and everything, and not able to have pads for the most part uh, during OTAs and everything. So training camps really when you start to get a sense for what you have uh, physically and, you know, where the weak spots might be, I think. And we there were we heard the other day that the Lions' defensive line was just manhandling the offensive line. So I, my question to you is, does that make you more worried about the Lions' offensive line or more hopeful about the Lions' defensive line? Oh, more terrified about the offensive line. <laughs> I mean... No, that's the right answer. I'm just curious what you thought. I mean, I think the defensive line is going to be good. I mean, they have Nada. I think everyone forgot about how good Haloti Nada is. And he, Who's not even really practicing, so he wasn't even the guy doing the damage. No, but I mean, I think the, him in the line, I think Karen Reed was 
highly underrated. It seems like they're bringing him along slowly. I mean, they still have Ziggy Ansah. Taylor is supposed to be better. But I don't love that Travis Swanson is still at its center. I thought at this point, Graham Glasgow <laughs> would be taking over the center spot. So I'm a little worried. I mean, you're our resident NFL expert. I mean, do you see this more often in training camp or defensive lines more often handling offensive lines or is it the other way around? I mean, in, in spring training, usually they say the pitchers are ahead of the, the batters for the first three weeks. Is that the same in the NFL? Please tell me it is. I mean, I think to some extent that's probably true early on. I think you'll get a better idea when they do have those joint practices with the Steelers for sure. And then, uh, you know, the, the little we see the starters and the early preseason games, I think it is true because they're, you know, they're, they do do their 11-on-11 drills and all those things, so there is some semblance of, of play calling and order and everything. But uh, there is also a little more, I think, probably basic one-on-one stuff, and that's that's difficult, I think, for the offensive linemen to not have, you know, not have maybe as much help as they would, not have maybe as much of a play call built in as they would during a game. So, um you know, I think the defensive line does tend to be a little bit ahead of the offensive line, but I think the same thing holds true, though, that the offensive line for the Lions is a huge concern for them, and it, it should be. I mean, I, I think the biggest problem is well, a couple things. A, I think everyone expected, Graham, like you said, Graham Glasgow to step in. And I, I thought it was a good pick, but I was never totally sold that he was going to just immediately take over because... He was a guy with limited experience at center, first of all, before he played there last year. Michigan moved him over. Uh, And, you know, I think that one of the big things Bob Quinn wants to do is just create more competition. So I don't think he wanted to just flip-flop those guys. I think they want to make Graham Glasgow go earn that spot, and it doesn't sound like he has. So maybe Swanson steps up and actually plays better this year. But, you know, I, I never thought that was going to be the immediate transition. So maybe center's still a weak spot. The bigger problem, I think, right now, you know, you know tackle is a little bit in flux with Decker stepping in at left tackle, Riley Reese moving to the right. They need their guards to be better than they have been. And the early returns out of camp have not been good. The performances last year were not very good. Tomlinson hasn't looked good. I think that's the biggest concern. Warford together, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, that Tomlinson pick is not being working out the way that they thought I'm glad I didn't buy and they need jersey. Warford to be the way they need the way Warford to play the way he did his rookie year. And I think that's part of why Jeff Schwartz came in because now you have a guy who can step in and start if you need him to. I think there's definitely the possibility that one or one of those two, and like you said, it's probably Tomlinson is out of the starting lineup sooner rather than later because he's just not performing. And I think it is a big concern. I mean, they cannot be as bad up front as they were last year, even with the changes to this offense and the tweaks that they're making and, you know, the new types of playbook that Jim Bob Cooter might be running. They have to be better protecting Matthew Stafford, establishing the run game. And, you know, if you can't block, that pretty much blows up everything. I mean, I think that's the one thing that I'm holding solace in is that you mentioned it. They're installing a new offense from Jim Bob Cooter. I mean, he did run a modified version of this scheme last year, but it was really a Joe Lombardi offense with a Jim Bob Cooter swing to it. Whereas Tyrell Austin is coming back with players that have ultimately played with him for two, three years now at this point with the same defense, 
the same defensive line calls. And so I think the defense should be ahead of the offensive line and the offense in general at this point because of that. I think that's the only place that I think I'll hold solace in. But you're right. And I think what will be the book that will never be written, unfortunately, is the year that Warford was amazing, his rookie year. I, I really do wonder how much of Dominic Riola being there at center helped Larry Warford be as good as he was as a rookie. And a lot, I, probably a I lot. I think a lot. And people think that Dominic Riola was pretty terrible down the stretch. And he wasn't great, and he was a pretty terrible human being, it seemed like. <laughs> but I, it seemed as if he was a pretty good center down the stretch. So I'm glad the Lions haven't signed Warford to a long-term deal at this point. I'll, I'll just say that. I'm not... I'm not sold on Tomlinson being bad. I still, he's feisty. I think that's the thing that you won't see in practice from a guy like him is he's feisty. So there's a good chance that he's the kind of guy that doesn't practice well and can turn it on in a game. But I don't love him and Decker on the left side. I worry about Stafford's shoulder. I really hope Jake Rudock is good because I really don't want to see Dan Orlovsky. Uh, no, if Stafford gets hurt, the season is over. So I'll just <laughs> I'll just jump uh, the, jump ahead on that. I mean, so the neither, first game no, is the twelfth. Neither Orlovsky nor Jake Rudock Jake is taking that team to many, if any, wins. I'll just end that discussion now. I mean, I think that it's interesting. I'm interested to see. Um, you know, as I said, we're taping now on a Wednesday. I'm going to camp tomorrow. I'm going to sweat my face off in the hundred degree. Oh, it's finally cool uh, here in DC. It's miserable. It's gonna be miserable. Don't talk <laughs> two PM. For we had two PM. It's no. It's been hot here. We haven't had it anyway. We had two, two weeks uh, of ninety plus. Anyway. anyway, I'm going out to set. So I was out there a couple times at OTAs. I'm gonna be out there Thursday. Uh, probably had to at least one of their preseason games. I, I'm interested to see. You know, we keep talking about the transition Lombardi to Jim Bob Cooter, and it sounds great in terms of the weapons that they have and the types of things they might be able to do with them. And, you know, Calvin's gone, so you got to transition to a more sort of almost a spread offense, you know, play horizontal, play uh, sideline to sideline. They didn't necessarily draft Tomlinson and Warford or Swanson or Reef to play in a Jim Bob Cooter offense. They drafted those guys to play in – not even really the Joel Lombardi <laughs> offense, to be honest. I mean, Tomlinson, I guess. But, you know, it's tough when you're transitioning system to system. I think they'll probably keep most of the basics in place and try not to change it up a ton. But if they are trying to be uh, more wide open and trying to be quicker to the perimeter, I don't know that that suits Tomlinson. You know, I, I don't know that that suits Warford necessarily. I mean, I think they can do it, but I'm curious to see how this offense works with those guys and if any of them take those those steps forward because otherwise it's a problem again. The offensive line's an issue, and then you're looking to draft again next year, and Stafford's getting banged up, and so it's uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it is a serious concern for them. I mean, the biggest concern, I think, more than anything, and you mentioned that. You know, Warford was drafted for a Jim Schwartz style. I mean, he'd always wanted a power on the ball. We never saw it, but he always wanted to. And same with Reef and whatnot. I think the biggest concern out of anything is that you knew you were going to have a Jim Bob Cooter offense, and then Jim Bob Cooter says that they don't think they're going to have a 1,000-yard rusher and don't think that they're going to necessarily be 
They're looking for chunk yardage and not necessarily to be a power run game. And then you drafted Decker, who is a primarily run-blocking tackle. So what are you doing? Well, but I think he's an athletic tackle, and I think that's the thing. Yeah, but there's a difference between athletic run-blocking and athletic pass-blocking. I think when you're trying to pick up for a guy like Tomlinson on the left side, I mean, athleticism is good, but you need to be a good pass-blocker. you look at this team now, and I think I that you're going. Excited. I think you're going to see a lot of similarities, and this this goes back to maybe their concerns about the offensive line because you don't want to send Stafford back there. But this also puts is why there's a lot of pressure on Stafford this year because I think this offense is going to, in a lot of ways, resemble what we've seen from the New England Patriots. I think it's going to be backs out of the backfield. I think they're going to want to get the ball out quick, get it out to the receivers. Don't worry about going vertical all that much, trying to hit the deep ball. If it's there, maybe you take it once or twice a game, but, you know, three, five steps and out. And that's not really how Stafford's played. That's not really how this offensive line has played. So I I think that that'll be a difference too. You know, can Stafford be quicker? Can Stafford be more of a decision maker and and uh sort of take control of this offense now that Calvin's is not there now that he doesn't have that familiar safety blanket because i think that the goal is to when you say that they don't think maybe not a thousand yard rusher i don't think it's because they don't want to i think they're trying to mitigate what that offensive line's problems are so you take them out of the equation by getting the ball outside the tackles as quickly as possible. I think your big hope for this offensive line is if you think back to probably three or four years ago, people hated the Cowboys offensive line. They hated the pieces they drafted. They hated the offensive line they put together. And the first year they did not play well together. Tony Romo was constantly under pressure and then ultimately got hurt as did, I don't remember who the running back at the time was. It wasn't Murray. It was before that. So, your hope is that this is going to be similar to sort of the Cowboys offensive line, you know, building plan and hoping that they don't look good now, but as they start to gel together and get better, you hope that they become a cohesive unit is my thought. They're very young. They're very young. Even Swanson, who's going to be moving into his third year is still only in his third year and reef is only in what is fourth. So they're a very young group, and I think that's your hope is that it might be a little rough to start, but you hope they kind of gel into a cohesive unit. Yeah, well, well, first tests coming up again, the joint practices with the Steelers, preseason uh, opener, pre- first week of the preseason, Hall of Fame games this Sunday, and then the first week of the preseason begins next Thursday, uh, the uh, 11th. So we'll get a, a, a glimpse of what the Lions have working in on both sides of the ball then. We'll see where the Tigers are in a week. Maybe the win streak will still be alive, although they uh, have some work to do to get out of this game we keep talking about as we're recording. Uh, But, again, we'll uh, talk about them, I'm sure, next week. And we'll continue to get more and more into football as college football season gets closer here, too. So uh, stick with us. You can find us on Facebook at the Detroit Sports Show, on iTunes. Please rate us if you go there. Uh, Leave some comments. Let us know what you think. Um, on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can find us on some various Reddit threads, Facebook I mentioned, and uh, Twitter as well, uh, at the Detroit Sports Show. So, or at the Detroit Show. Um, so, uh, that is it for this week. Thanks again for listening. For Andrew Tomlinson, I'm Chris Burke. We'll talk to you next week.